On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchando. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you here for Second Shot. And this is a sec Second Shot Sit-Down. Gosh, with a topic that has been weighing so heavily on me and I've wanted to talk about for a very long time, but it really, something like this, it is so important to get the right guest and to get the right expert and to find somebody who can speak to all aspects of it. And in this instance, our guest is Jakob Boyens. He is the director of Eight Days. This is a film that raises awareness about sex trafficking. He is also the founder of a nonprofit that raises awareness about sex trafficking. And he's the CEO of After Eden Pictures. So he is a big deal by all accounts in the film industry. Many of you have likely seen his film or heard about him and is so often in the case that when people take up a cause like this, it is personal. And in this instance, it is. Yako's sister was trafficked, and it's really not in a way you might suspect. So I want to tell you this is going to be a deep dive, an intense adult conversation. This is not a, a one to talk about around young children, but it's an important one for all parents and members of the community to hear. So welcome in, Yako. Jenny, thank you so much for having me on. It's it's an honor. Yeah, like I said, this is a topic I've wanted to tackle for a while, but I just thought, you know, we, we, we've got to get this right when we put the messaging out there. So let's rewind a little bit so that they understand how this all came to be, that you would have this feature film, that you would be giving, you know, TEDx talks, that you would be creating this nonprofit. Let's give a brief history of what happened with your sister. Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a proud immigrant to this amazing country. I love this country. But our journey started in South Africa. In Ilanka, my sister was trafficked in 1994. I was a senior in high school. And she was trafficked that year as a 12-year-old turning 13 after winning a national singing competition like American Idol, African Idol. And so she legitimately wins this competition, wins a record deal. For a year after she wins this, the record label becomes very close with the family. We're raised by a single mom, so we're a very tight family, three siblings. And a year in, the label traffics her into the music industry. And so this is not what people would think. This is not a snatch and grab or from an, you know, from an, you know, an underprivileged home or, or, a, or a dysfunctional home, a very functional, a single parent home, but very functional. So a very different method. Now, of course, back then, nobody would call it child sex trafficking. Uh. They thought Ilanka was a runaway, which of course we knew she was not. And that started a six year journey uh, for Ilanka being trafficked. In a practical sense, a lot of parents are saying, how could that happen? I would be in touch with, with my 12 or 13 year old girl. I would be on the road with her. I would be traveling with her. I would be talking to her every night. How, how logistically, how did it happen that you all lost touch with her? Yeah, and that's very accurate. My brother and I managed my sister, quote unquote. We took such pride in my mom. We were at every rehearsal, every situation. I'll give you an example. 
Ilanka loved for us to sit in the audience. She didn't like us backstage as she was singing. So I would be backstage until about five minutes before she goes on stage. We'd take our positions in the front row in the audience. And and her first big, big performance after she signed her deal, she walked out on stage and I said to my mom, something's not right. We thought it was nerves. Well, Ilanka had been raped backstage five minutes before being pushed out on the stage by the record label president threatening my mom's life and then we can dive deep into the psychosis that happens and then of course then a kidnapping happens so the child disappears and 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 then it's a completely different story but leading up to that we're extremely involved we're there we know them well and this is how this is how a a predator profiles this is how they work they gain trust they take time they learn about the families you know the notion that it's all just snatch and grab is just not accurate they're very patient and they're really good at profiling, particularly online. Now, Ilanka's case was not online. It was a corporate setting, of course, but we were extremely involved, 100%. But it happens that quickly. And then, of course, when you threaten this young individual, I, I say this, Jenny, if you know what someone's biggest fear and biggest desire is, you can manipulate them. And for Ilanka, was her desire was to have a music career, which they gave her. Mm-hmm. And her biggest fear was losing our mother, our mm-hmm. only parent. And they threatened to kill my mom and my younger brother legitimately. And of course, rape comes in and then coercion and abuse. And, and before you blink, it's done. And then she's on the road and, and now she's missing, right? And, and at that point, she was not performing. So there was no way to track down no. her performances or anything like that. She was more behind the scenes. It sounds like really used as a token in this high investment, high cost organization. Yes, correct. There was no perform because then if she performed, we could show up, right? right? And we would, of course, storm the gates like my brother and I did, and you know, and we, we did for years. No, Ilanka became a bargaining chip in the music industry for record label executives and artists internationally, and and so it it you know it became a very sick situation. Of course, we didn't know at the time that sex trafficking was happening. We were just looking for our sister. Of course. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. when Ilanka was rescued and she was rescued in, in epic fashion and then recovered. My mom always said the day we get her back and, and my mom, the woman walk, walks on water, praise God for my mom, we will immigrate to the United States. There was always a long-term plan for Ilanka. She wanted to go to Nashville, Tennessee, Music City. Mm-hmm. And so we Which accelerated that plan. where she lives today plan. successfully. I'm so Correct. thankful. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so, con- so continue on. Your mom said, we're going to do this. And so how did, this, how did the rescue happen? Because it seems like it was roadblock after roadblock. And so many parents who, who, have, who have dealt with that painful runaway situation, when someone's classified as a runaway, there's not a lot you can do. Particularly if at the time in South Africa, even there was there wasn't framework mm. for sex trafficking. You know, it wasn't you know it, although it was going on, but it, it, was, it wasn't labeled as such. The laws weren't set up. So an undercover police officer off duty who was moonlighting for extra income at a casino heard this massive fight argument. A woman screaming in a hotel room. He happened to walk to his hotel room after after his job, and he busted through a door without a warrant off duty and and it was Ilanka fighting for her life and she made a decision that morning she'll tell you if you meet her I'm dying today or whoever's in the room with me is dying today you know this this stops and 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 then he discovered Ilanka and that time she wouldn't return home she didn't know how society would accept her so she sent a message to my mom a cryptic message to another teacher my mom was a teacher and said my mom can come see her but not engage that she's safe 
And of course, my mom then said, Yaku, go get her. And then my brother and I went and, and, and we got her and we got her back. And, and they immigrated within three months after the rescue to the United States. So all her recovery work was done here in the U.S. You know, this is where she also fell apart because the people that leave in these situations, the, the same person doesn't return, Jenny. Mm -hmm. There's massive, massive trauma involved. The amount of damage that was done, and I'm so glad that you were. You're right. It's like there's that first recovery mission where you physically get somebody out of this, but the pain and anguish and um, you know detriment that's happened to them throughout that time, it's I can imagine is a very long healing process for your sister. So then, you, you it sounds like really made it part of your life's work to to fundraise and to raise awareness. That's right. You know, when you when you stare your sister in the face and the little girl, the 13 year old, full of life, plays field hockey, loves to sing, just life at the party comes back and, and there's not a person home. Jenny, it's a shell. And, and we can talk freely about this because Ilanka is healthy today. But that's not the case. Most victims do not survive. The average lifespan is seven years, seven years for a child that's trafficked. They don't make it. It's overdose. Suicide is, is, is through the roof because they can't get out. And, and, and there's such guilt and shame, you know, and, and they also the, the pimps and the, and the abusers will tell them, you did this. You're mm -hmm. responsible. This is your fault, you know, and, and you're harming your family. So when Ilanka made it back to Nashville and she felt like, OK, I'm physically safe now, I'm physically out of harm's way. That's when she broke, attempted suicide twice. Mm. Praise God, it was unsuccessful. And that's when it all came together for us as a brother. I'm sitting in a room. And I'm now learning verbatim what men did to my sister. And then you you feel accountable. I'm the oldest brother. Where was I? I mean, I was a senior in high school, but how could this happen? And, and you can imagine all the thoughts and the guilt and the blame. So the family goes through therapy. And immediately in that moment, I don't know. It's just like something in me, a switch just went off and went, not another human being particularly women should ever experience this and, ever. And you know, how old was fight. she at that time when she was rescued? Ilanka was 18. She was 18. 18 okay, turning, so she was 18 turning 19. Yeah. In it for years. Yeah, yeah, six oh years. Gosh. I mean, it's a long, whole it's your, your whole upbringing, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. I, I mean, you got to, like, for, I'll give you an example. Ilanka was in her mid-20s when she got her GED because there was no GED. There was no school. Now, she's since put herself through college. She's a therapist. She works. Oh. She's actively engaged working with, with victims, survivors. And, and her case is really an anomaly, Jenny. She's a mother of two, happily married. That does not happen. It just doesn't. You know, just getting these women to survive and, and want to live life is, is a victory, right? Yako, a lot of people will hear this story and think of this as an anomaly and think, wow, so that these things are happening in South Africa. Wow, I'm glad they made it here. But here's the truth and, and the part of, of why I really wanted you to be a part of this platform. This is happening not only here in the United States, but also here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Do you have any numbers to kind of put that into perspective for people? Yeah, so people know what date you're showing this. Two weeks ago, nine children rescued in a 14-day period in Dallas, Texas. Dallas proper, proper. Mm. We have on average 400 children being trafficked per day through Dallas, Texas, not DFW, Dallas, Texas, 76,000 children per day at risk of trafficking and in the trafficking environment in Texas alone. So then, and, and then I got to tell you, 1% of the crime is reported. If you talk to the Attorney General's office, Ken Paxton, Texas Attorney General, or any other AG in the nation, we work in all 50 states, 
the numbers are epic because it's sex and it's hidden in plain sight and and predominantly today the fastest rising trend of trafficking children is what's called familial trafficking where family members are trafficking their own children it's very hard to combat how does this happen 400 children trafficked per day and you know it makes this upcoming school year even more frightening because we know that so many of them are not we, we won't know to expect them at school because we're going to you know we're in the middle of this pandemic so it makes me frightened about that aspect of it but how is that happening so many parents are saying well i know where my child is there's no, there's no way that this is happening here or to any of their friends but with numbers like that you know it's a lot. Yeah, look, un unfortunately, what parents don't know, and, and our focus is the United States. We focus in the 50 states of the United States. Since two, in 2001, we started fighting it in the U.S., but we worked in 56 countries, and we made our decision to focus on the U.S. because the U.S. children were the forgotten children in this fight, Jenny. It's a fact. It's in every single zip code in the United States. We do not have enough facilities to handle the children once they're rescued. Traffic 911 is an incredible organization in Dallas. I'm on their board that fights for Dallas County, for instance, and, and we physically can't handle the volume. And in Dallas, unfortunately, with Houston, it's, it's a it's a you know, there's a, a, a throughput where children are trafficked up and down the corridor. But how does this happen? It happens while they're at home. Children are trafficked while at home. They go to school, they'll be in extracurricular activities and they will perform as sex slaves. In Dallas, now, of course, you do have the runaway situation. The foster care system is infiltrated with pedophilia today. It is. You mm -hmm. do have the underprivileged community. We can look at Oakland, Oakland, that area for sure. But the, the softest target today in the United States of America is the child that's at home with two parents, but the parents aren't present. They'll say they're present, but I'll, I'll challenge every parent. Do you know? who your child is talking to on social media? Do you know what it, the push notifications that's coming to your child? Do you know that some of our toughest cases are, you know, protecting children are being trafficked through Xbox and PlayStation, through games, because they speak on online platforms to people and people are posing. So the groomers take time. They profile girls. So the way you traffic a girl in Highland Park, for instance, is different than how you would traffic a girl in, in Oaklawn. The girl in Oaklawn you traffic that child with physical stuff, gifts, goods, access to you know transportation. The girl in Highland Park, you traffic her with attention. Unfortunately, Jenny, this is... we're a culture today. Oh. We're a culture today that pacify our children with technology, and the girl in Highland Park wants attention. So now the Romeo effect comes in. A guy comes in. He looks for the soft target. The girl whose dad and mom is home, but he, she's crying out for attention online. And and they swoop in and they give her her heart's desire and they willingly girls are self trafficking without a pimp involved even because they're connecting directly with the buyer. This was the number one problem we had through COVID through the lockdown was the access that buyers had directly with children with idle time on screen because they're home. Yeah, we, well, you know, we just watched that Jeffrey Epstein documentary, and I think that it brought to light for some people, you know, the accuracy of this documentary. I don't know, but there's this storyline that's very consistent in everyone I've spoken to about this in this instance of offering something and it's starting out relatively innocent. It's starting out with like a little visit in some company. It's not because I think it's really hard for people to wrap their head around. Well, my, they know my child would never go in and do, do something like this willingly, but it starts with just like a visit and some companionship. Yeah, look, no woman wakes up. No woman wakes up saying, I want to be a prostitute. I want to be abused. 
I want to be a sexual abuse victim. N nobody. No woman does that. And I, I equate it to a young boy that wants to go on a date with a girl, and he just touches her hand to see if she's willing for, to hold hands with him. This is how they work. They're slow and methodical. That sexting, uh, let me tell you, Jenny, sexting is the gateway. As soon as they can get a child, a teenager, to sext, they know that that child is desperate for physical attention, is desperate for quote-unquote love, right? And that child now has a propensity to go to the next level. But they will coerce, they will fraud and, and, and defraud individuals, they will pose, they'll take their time. Most of the cases, the rescue cases, they'll say, look, I was groomed for 12 months. My sister was groomed for 12 months. Wow. Took 12 months before they pounced. This is not the taken scenario, as much as I love Liam Neeson as an actor, but the taken scenario got stuck in Americans' minds. And well, my child's not, I'm not hearing of kidnappings. No, that's not how it's done. That's not how you hide it in plain sight. You hide it in plain sight with society turning a blind eye. And then at times, unfortunately, society giving it the okay because we embraced sexual immorality in the 60s in this country, and we're paying for it dearly today. Well, and also over the course of those 12 months, are they not in some cases building a family's trust? Or is that is that how it's happening, where the family thinks, oh, well, this they go over to, to play at this person's house? Is, is it that scenario, or is it the kids sneaking out, or is it both? Well, look, kids sneak out. We can't pretend on college campus more than anything else. That's where the kids really get themselves in trouble. But high school kids, this is not kids sneaking out necessarily. It really is building trust. And then it's abuse. It's one night. Uncle comes into her room. Dad comes into her room. Or she goes to a friend's house. And that father comes into her room. And, and what I want people to understand is we're living human beings with emotions and psychology. You can manipulate a human being to do anything anything, especially through sexual manipulation. You know, think about it. We looked at the Me Too movement, right? And women come out who had been silenced for 30 years with a single rape. Now, that's horrific. A rape is a rape. It's horrific. What do you think happens to a child that's been abused five to 10 times per day? Hmm. They don't talk. They, they are they're in survival mode. So if it's a father, for instance, who's abusing a younger sister, a case we rescued, you know, two months ago, the sister said, I'm done. I'm telling mom, I'm telling the world. And the dad said, it's okay, it's fine. I'll just do it to your younger sister. And in an instant, the older sister said, I won't say a word, do it to me. That's what happened to my mm -hmm. sister. We'll kill your mom, leave my mom, do it to me. The fight or flight syndrome, the manipulation, the neuropathways that gets retraced, you know, f fraud, pressure, People don't understand. Well, why doesn't why don't they run away? Why don't they say something? Yeah, that, please answer that. Because that's the thing that, that people question. They say, well, if if it were me, and I think that's why this has perpetuated. Because we look at it and it's not relatable, and people think, well, if that were me, I, I wouldn't. Do, I would never do that. I would never succumb to that. So, can you explain the the mental aspect of that, the the, the yeah, psychological absolutely. twist? Absolutely. And it's also why it takes about a decade of rehabilitation, right, of, re of, of building trust. Trust is completely, completely out the window, right? And, and this immediately they'll, they'll put blame on the victim. You did this. You're responsible for this. So now shame comes in. They'll threaten violence. They'll threaten family members. They'll threaten to take things from them. And then silence comes in. And, and for, for somebody that says, look, I wouldn't do that. I'll fight. I'll run. Don't be so quick to judge. You know, put yourself in the position of a 12-year-old girl. 
why is 12 the average age of children being trafficked in the U.S.? And by the way, that's the lowest average in the world, okay? The youngest. Here, here in the United because, States. Yeah, in the United States. Age 12 is the average, and we are the number one nation on earth commercializing sex with children. Number one. Let's just get that down right now. We are the number one nation. There are other nations where the occurrences are higher, but in those nations, it's, it's okay under either religious law, like the Middle East, where you can marry off your eight-year-old, mm -hmm. right? Or it's not frowned upon by society, but they're not commercializing it. We've commercialized it. Now, let's get back to the psychology. You know, a 12-year-old girl goes through puberty. She doesn't understand her own body. Go back to when you were 12, right? She can't talk to her dad. She's embarrassed. She's recognizing boys. She's recognizing boys her own age are, are, are quote-unquote idiots. She wants an older boyfriend. It is a tumultuous time in a 12 to 15-year-old girl's life anyway. You bring in sexual abuse. You bring in an older gentleman that is showing her love and attention and affection. Or, or, and then you bring in you know, potential harm to her family, her siblings. They do not talk. They don't. The, the mental manipulation is so intense. Again, and I'll say, women that have gone through rape wait decades mm -hmm. before they say one time. And, and the average is five to ten abuse, abuses per day for these children. So, and it's worse when it's an authority figure. When it's a school principal, of course, it's hard. It's hard to a speak father. up to an authority figure in a in a you know in a in a, in a workplace or in, in any kind of situation. There are a lot of personality types that that struggle to really stand up to an authority figure because they are in that position of authority. So imagine coming from a from a teen or or a child, a young girl or boy. No, no question. Whether it's a, whether it's a priest, right, a football coach. A, a, a PE coach, you know, or, or a, a piano teacher. We've arrested and, and apprehended everything from the janitor to the U.S. state senators. It doesn't matter. Epstein, I don't want America to think, oh, this is a billionaire's problem. No, it's a your community problem. The only difference between the janitor we arrested and caught and Jeffrey Epstein is Jeffrey Epstein had disposable income to abuse children every two hours. Mm. The janitor did it twice a month. Mm. The method and the mindset and the methodology behind it is exactly the same. Yako, I do want to clear up some of the, gosh, social media has, has just been rampant with uh, theories. I, some would call them conspiracy theories. So, I mean, the truth is, Anybody can post something on the internet and make it seem like a news source, make it seem like a legitimate source. And so I would, you know, and I, I you guys, I, I pre-interviewed Yako on this to find out his perspective and to know that, you know, the legitimacy behind his information. And we're going to you as a trusted source because, for example, the rumors about Wayfair. Can we just talk, what, what is the deal with that? Just kind of explain what the, what the theories are and then what the truth is, because this is, I mean, parents are kind of freaking out over this. Yeah, so the Wayfair discussion broke on a Friday, and people, just to see that I'm being consistent with your interview here, that Saturday I posted on my Instagram channel to, to everybody in the community, I said, slow down for a minute. We have to prove and verify. Look at the organizations that fight the fight. They'll tell you whether this is true or not. Same as in COVID, when people, you know, when people online said, you know, thousands of children are being rescued in tunnels in New York, and I went and said, no. We are rescuing children in New York, but this is not how it happens. So there's no proof that Wayfair as a corporation is trafficking children. There's none. Remember, Wayfair, like Amazon and eBay, is a platform where individuals can post. Now, I will tell you this. 
is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Wayfair, Amazon, are those platforms being used by predators to traffic children? Absolutely. 100% verified. Is the corporation Wayfair responsible? There's no proof. There's no proof that it's on their watch and that their board of directors okayed that. Now, individuals on Facebook, and this is my battle with big tech companies because their platforms are being abused. And, and I put the onus on them because I defend the First Amendment. I put the onus on the company, such as a Facebook. We took down two pedophile profiles on Facebook yesterday. Yesterday. And both of them are out of Texas. right wow. Now, my fight with Facebook is you should be taking these down. But these are individuals. I can't go say, well, Facebook corporate, you know, in, in, in Cupertino, you know, California, is, are the ones trafficking the children. Right. So the Wayfair situation was blown out of proportion by people who are overzealous. They want to see children rescued, but they, they're not on the ground. Jenny. They're not an NGO that fights this every day. So they don't quite understand how it happens. But it does happen on those platforms. So here's what we're seeing. Just to give an example to people and, and correct me if this storyline is incorrect. What I was kind of hearing online is, you know, there's a missing child named Julia. And then on Wayfair, there's a Julia couch sold for, you know, $15,000, way more than the Julia couch would normally be sold for. And people were saying, well, that, there's a missing Julia, and then there's the Julia couch sold for more than what a couch would normally sell for. That's the missing Julia that's being trafficked. What is going on with that aspect of it? That's how people are sort yeah, of yeah, proving. Look, yeah, look, and then people went, they pulled the SKU number, the SKU number, and they went online and they researched, look, there's, those are what we call rabbit holes in, in the industry. And, and so to all there's truth to it. But we've got to be so careful in society. I always say, you know, you know, if you read Genesis one, you know, Satan didn't come to Eve with a bunch of lies. The enemy doesn't come to you with all lies. There's there are there's truth to it, but we've got to be factual, right? There's no there's no truth that Wayfair as a corporation is trafficking. Again, the platform is being used. So, so Wayfair is busy with an investigation mm -hmm. right now to say who is posting those who are selling goods on, on the platform. Are they manipulating the situation? Are they playing? You know, are they actually trafficking children individually? Because I'll tell you this in that video I posted, we have rescued children from cabinets, from shipping containers at airports, from closets chained to poles like like animals absolutely a thousand percent true hundred percent yes from from vans and and, and corporate corporate you know uh, you know uh, buildings etc etc absolutely but we gotta we, we gotta prove and verify first so there's a lot of truth to it any that yes those methods are being used those platforms are being used but that's not what was posted what was posted is that the corporation was right. involved in trafficking children, which has there's That's no proof. That's never been proven, right? You've got to, no. and, and I just a word of advice from the media is you got to look for legitimate media sources that are backed up by by multiple claims and multiple sources and facts and investigations and such. So what about what about this this pizza book? Um, are you familiar with that book that people say is used as a like a, a grooming tool for children? Is is that legitimate? Do people need to? Get rid of that book. I believe it's by Adam Rubin. Yeah, look, if you look at that book, there's no question pedophilia has infiltrated the book. And again, it's an individual. And that comes from Pizzagate. And we can have a deep right. conversation about this. Right, I know that's probably a whole because, different 
conversation. But people misunderstood Pizzagate. Pizzagate, really what it's about is it's code. It's how pedophiles communicate. And that is as real as you and I are talking today, 100%. Let's not be naive because it's because we've been this naive in this country that sex trafficking of children have flourished in this country, in Dallas, Texas, particularly. So, so yes, you need to look at that, but you also need to look at the comprehensive sex ed curriculum that is running rampant through our country, where we're now teaching, you know, quote unquote, comprehensive sex ed to three and four year olds that is 100% grooming the children in the classroom. It's signed into law in California. It's not in Texas yet. Austin is voting on it. So we have to, as parents, put our eyes on everything our children are involved with. And you have to ask yourself whether the content is delivered in a way that's age appropriate. Because I'll give you an example. You've got a guy named Will, who's 46, who writes a testimony to 10-year-olds in sex ed curriculum about his sexual activities. That's not okay. Yeah. You should not have an outsider. I don't want my child being taught. So, we, so yes, that book that book is not healthy. Okay. That book is not helping the situation. Yeah, and I, and I will say also to parents, those curriculums are available to you. You're able to request those. You know, I think it can be kind of this, there's a weird intimidation factor when you go to the school and say, hey, I'd like to see that, but just know as someone who has, who has asked for it yourself, you know, when you're, when you're touring schools or choosing districts, you are able to ask for, for, you know, that curriculum to find out what they're teaching. Before we go, I've got to ask about QAnon, Q Anonymous, what is this? Is this something people need to be concerned about or educating themselves on? Or is this like a way far off theory? No, no. Look, Q, the original post from Q, which came about right before President Trump was elected, you know, Q took a bit of a turn. Uh, and, and I'd say the anonymous community and, and I believe the hearts are pure. The hearts are right. The hearts are, are pro-America. They, they want to do good. They jumped on the the fight against child sex trafficking, which I'm very thankful for. But again, you need context and you need history. You need to understand how sex trafficking works. For instance, they'll say, oh, there's, you know, 100,000 children going to be, you know, rescued in New York. Do we have more than 100,000 children trafficked in this country in New York State? Yes, but they were not all going to get rescued out of a tunnel. So what I want people to know is, yes, Q is real. There's a lot of validity to Q, a lot. A lot, a lot. There's a lot of really good proof and verify investigative reporting that's shared through Q. But then there's also a lot of individuals who are, quote unquote, anonymous individuals that are posting things or taking a post from Q, reposting it. But I always say it's like the, the tale you tell, you know, by the time you get to person number 10, it's a completely different story. Right. So. Again, people need to think for themselves because that community was also very involved in, in the Wayfair situation. A lot of truth, but then there's individuals that just go above board and there's a lot of embellishment. So it's difficult one, Jenny, because you have to take it case by case, post by post almost. Yeah, because... You know, but... but oh, go, go ahead, go ahead, finish that thought. Yeah, because, but, but in its essence, in the purity of Q... It's very real. It's very real. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's very real. And there are things that have been verified and have been proven accurate. But it's not just one person or a group that's posting as Q. That's not the concern. The concern is the the ancillary posts that come with it, right? Well, that's what I find to be confusing because, again, for example, in the journalism world, you don't, I mean, when you go to journalism school, you learn about, you don't post an anonymous source unless you have backed that up 
at least twice, right? And you're turning in your sources, you know, they, they may be anonymous to the public, but you're sharing that with your editors and your managers to, to absolutely make sure that the information you're putting out there is correct. Whereas it feels a little dangerous where everybody's following these just anonymous sources and where some may be, you know, have some truth to them. It seems like if you get in deep on a Google search with QAnon, it, 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 you'd lose your, I mean, you'd lose your mind. And it's very hard to tell what is true and what's not. What, what's your recommendation for parents who are like, okay, I kind of want to look into this, but I, I'm not really sure what to believe. Yeah, look, I'll say, unless you can actually go and read Q's post, the actual original post, right? And it started through 4chan and 8chan and, and, the, and those kind of platforms. But unless you can go to the source verify, it's very difficult to know, you know, you're going to lose your head because you don't know where to start. Now, I will say this. There are there are many of those posts that have been proven accurate. And again, this is where we get into investigative reporting. But you've got a society today that's so hungry for information and truth and armed with technology to report themselves. Mm -hmm. Correct. And in cases, it's very helpful when a cell phone camera is turned on and a crime is being captured. You know, I'm more from the from the school of if you see a crime, stop the crime. You know, I don't have time to turn the camera on. Yeah. I'm going to stop the crime. But but it's dangerous for parents to just jump into the abyss of the, the online anonymous posts because you can lose yourself. But but I also have to give credit where credit is due. There has been a lot of the original post by Q and with its original intent being pure. But then again, the repost, the, the add-ons, the, the, the commentary is the most dangerous. Yeah, Yaco, I would not dive into the commentary. Yako, uh, the last thing I want to do is send our audience into an abyss. I want to be a, a source for trusted information. So to keep them from doing that, are there some, some websites or some resources that you can send people if they're wanting to learn more about the sex trafficking industry and, and what is proven to be true and, and what is a reality today? Yeah, particularly because your audience is a, is a Texas audience, you know, I'll always say work with those who actually work with the victims and, and, and the pedophiles. So our organization, sharetogethernow.org, Traffic 911 in Dallas, Texas, um, uh, Treasured Vessels in Dallas, Texas, and for the Texas community, the governor's office of Texas is very engaged in anti-trafficking, very engaged. Governor Abbott, Attorney General uh, Paxton, Lieutenant Governor uh, and Patrick, probably the best state in the nation. So you can get very good information from those those sources and then connect with an organization in your community and ask if you can volunteer and help. And they're going to give you the facts on the ground. They're going to give you what's happening in our city, such as 400 children a day in Dallas, Texas are being trafficked. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, that, that number is going to stick with me for, for, for a while. And thank goodness it does because it's important information. Uh, th this will be on a digital platform with a national audience having access to it. Is there, is there a site nationally where people can go similar to these local sites that you referenced? Yeah, not, not one overarching national site. We, we try to do that. Each And really how you fight this is community to community. Okay. It's zip code to zip code. So people need to, on, on a national level, they can come to our website where we will post the 65 organizations we work with nationally. The 65 of them we're connected with that are approved and verified, vetted, and they do incredible work so that you want someone in Chicago to connect locally, Janie. It's one thing to support a Dallas organization, but they need to, we need to fight this local, on your street, in your home, on your street, in your child's school. That's how local we have to get with this. 
Yanko Boyens, I could have kept going on and we probably need to do a follow-up episode to talk about healing and recovering and that aspect of it because I think that is important too. But I thank you so, so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Very, very important stuff. You guys, I hope you got the websites down. We will we will link this up online as well. Again, he is the CEO of After Eden Pictures and sharetogethernow.org is the website. So we'll get that information for you. If you have questions and follow-up, I think this is a conversation that needs to be ongoing. Uh, secondshotcast at gmail.com, secondshotcast at gmail.com. And a reminder, we will be airing these second shots on CW33 Thursday mornings, 10 to 11 a.m. And then that full episode is always out. And I just, I ask you to share this information with anybody you think it could serve, help, or impact. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for sticking around.